Hi, this is Annika. Welcome to the Not My Problem podcast. Let's have some long overdue, uncomfortable conversations. Hello everyone, welcome back to episode 7. Hi, um, so if you remember, in last episode we discussed white privilege and white fragility. And this time around we want to still kind of touch upon those topics, but in more specific way. And in how, um, talking about how you can actually use your privilege um, for better good. So, um, by that, uh, there, is a, there is a term actually for that, and it mm. is being an ally. So, Annika, can you please give us a quick definition of allyship in this context? Yes, I'm not sure if it's going to be quick, but I will give you a definition. So, allyship is the practice of emphasizing social justice, inclusion, and human rights by members of an in-group to advance the interests of an oppressed or marginalized out-group. Allyship is part of the anti-oppression or anti-racist conversation, which put, puts into use social justice theories and ideals. Allyship can exist in terms of racism, ableism, xenophobia or other types of oppression. <laughs> Thank you. That was a mouthful. Yes. But uh, to sum up, <laughs> practically what it means is uh, recognizing that you have uh, a privilege and use it towards advancing uh, the interests of marginalized groups. Yes, and now what we actually want to do is talk to you about a little bit of how not to be an ally, because I think there, with, especially in 2020, there has been a lot of uh, performative allyship around a number of different social justice issues. Um, by that, I don't only refer to the Black Lives Matters movement, but we want to really discuss th um, what it means to be maybe a not so good ally. Yes, and uh, an example of kind of bad allyship is um, what is called virtue signaling. So that's kind of uh, doing performative acts of uh, kind of pretending to be an ally, but not doing anything actually of substance to help a cause. So uh, to give you a better idea really of what that might look like, um, we looked at the Urban Dictionary and it um, gave us a good example of what virtue signaling actually might look like. So for example, if a person just changes their profile picture to support for refugees, for example, but um, really, are they donating any time, money? Are they you know, giving English lessons? Are they making room available to have more representation of refugees in various different professional settings, for example? And if the person is not really doing that, then that's called virtue signaling. Yeah, because effectively, um they haven't had, uh, they haven't done anything that helped uh, the, the cause of um, of supporting refugees. Um, I have another example. Um, I remember when the Black Lives Matter movement became so important earlier this year, um, after the killing of uh, George Floyd. What happened is that there was this day that um, I can't remember the exact day, but it was called the Blackout uh, uh, Blackout Tuesday, and. Um, People were requested, I, I really don't fully remember the original intent behind it, but the idea was that on social media people would post uh, a photo of a, of a black square. Yeah, specifically and, on Instagram, wasn't it? Yeah, and then uh, it kind of blew up as a trend where uh, everyone basically did it. At least my feed mm. was entirely black. Yes. Um, and everyone was showing support through posting this photo. But effectively, uh, later uh, on the same month, um, we could see that the support had faded dramatically 
And even then, if we compared uh, the amount of donations that were made towards the Black Lives Matter causes, various causes, were not even um, tenth of the uh, number of people who actually posted that black square. So it means that people were more um, ve were very much willing to post to do a, s a small action that has no impact. Um, posting a black yeah. square is not going to save life, um, and not enough or barely any actually went through the extra step of donating time or money. Yes, very much so, and um, I think it's often been also described as a performative allyship where someone um, takes, you know, a very superficial step to not necessarily promote them cause, but make themselves look good by posting about this cause, for example. Obviously, we don't mean to say that, you know, you have to give all your money or all your time in order to be an ally, because we understand that not everybody has the financial backing to do that. But really consider um, other ways of showing up. Yeah, and also try to be truthful with your um, allyship. So make sure you, you have, you understand your motivations uh, when you do something uh, for a cause. Yes, and um, obviously there are kind of like two extremes. So there is the one extreme of people who do very much just performative action or virtue signaling. And then there's the other side where um, allies are actually starting to shame or school other people um, and obviously that is just as hurtful in many ways. So um, when you think about it, you know, someone saying to another person, oh, yeah, your ignorance about, you know, racism or structural racism is just a reflection of, you know, the patriarchy and it harms everybody. And um, that any, you know, truly educate, educated person just would understand that. It's not just only very patronizing, mm -hmm. it's, it's also, again, very harmful and reductive. And who would want to be in that situation to be schooled like that, right? Yeah, we need to remember, again, like people are not just born racist or um, born with the intent of wanting to discriminate other people. It is the system we live in, we are brought up in, that has taught us all of these notions. So we all have to work, to, to do a work towards anti-racism. Um, and some of us might be starting at a different level, so it's really important to always remember those facts when we discuss um, when we discuss those uh, those topics and when we want to combat um, any types of type of discrimination. Yes, and obviously there are many good ways of how you can use your privilege. It's um, not just uh, money or, or time, as we alluded to, even just starting by educating yourself. Um, I think in our previous episodes, we have often given um, examples on how to make a change through, you know, reading, reading um, about a book that might give you a different opinion on something. And sharing that knowledge, having a conversation with someone else, um, just to make sure that um, it's not just a black square on a random Tuesday in the year. Yes, and I actually now want to go through um, a few examples of things not to do when trying to be a good ally. Yes. Um, because it might not be that straightforward, actually. So that's why we want to first clear that out. So first and foremost, um, when you want to be an ally, you will expose yourself to difficult conversations. It's inevitable, like it's going to happen. You will have, uh, you'll have to go through these conversations. It can be around uh, race or sexual orientation, or so on and so forth. And when you do find yourself in those like 
difficult and uncomfortable conversations with someone who expresses um, the way they felt oppressed by dominant groups, it is very important that you resist the urge of becoming defensive or uh, letting yourself feel attacked to the point where you want to justify yourself or to the point where you start actually crying or just redirecting kind of the, the flow of the con conversation towards you. Because what that ends up uh, doing, like if, that, if that's the turn of events, we just have two options, really. It's like now we need to focus our attention on you and your guilt. Um, and we have to stop talking about uh, the, the, the problem that we initially wanted to talk. So that's just unfair and it's um, unproductive. It means that we can't actually have those conversations if every time uh, you become defensive and are un unable to go past this stage. Um, there is another um, point that I want to I wanna make. If you want to be an ally, you might be a very good one, but there is one thing that you should not feel the need to do. It is um, point out whenever you're being a good ally. Like, for example, say it as a, as a badge of honor, you yes. know, like, I'm an ally, this is a good thing. Um, or just like, yeah, don't expect anything in re returns, really. Yes, you won't get a little star in your school homework or anything for being a good ally, and nor should it be on any marginalized group to give you that little batch of honor. Yeah, really, because if you are doing it for the right reason, you should not expect praises, because really, it's, it's the only right thing to do to begin with. Yes, and it, it should be really normalized. Being an ally should be the status quo, nothing that needs to be praised and st standing out, so to say. Exactly. It's like if we were to give uh, medals and awards for parents who manage to feed their kids every night, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of uh, what it is. Um, something that I want to say is... Um, Stop asking um, marginalized people to kind of validate you as an ally. Uh, for example, things I've heard before is that, yeah, it's okay, my, my black friend said, said that I'm a, I'm a good ally, so, so I'm cool, you know, I'm fine in this one. That's not really how it works. Um, you, you might have received validation some, from marginalized people, yes, that's true. But remember also that, for example, one black person is not going to speak for the entire black population. That's not how it works. And um, also, again, it goes back to saying how, yeah, it, you don't deserve a medal for being a good ally. Yes. So you don't just graduate with a certificate in good allyship. That's not how it works. Just because one person says that is right doesn't doesn't make it right. Okay, so those were just a few examples of things not to do. Again, not an exhaustive list, but like those were examples we thought of that might not be so obvious, so worth mentioning. Um, but now what we wanted to do next, it's, uh, well, <laughs> it's important to, to say now what, what you should be doing, um, how to be a good ally. Yes, very much so. And um, I want to emphasize here really that um, often it's seen as something that you can only do if you do it with money or financing something. And that's obviously great. And we will have a topic or discussion around that at some point, right? Yeah. But um, really, I want you to all to know that a lot of the stuff, a lot of the basics are free. And it's hard work. It's not an easy topic to talk to anybody about, whether that is, you know, talking to marginalized or oppressed groups because of their sexuality, because of their race, whatever it might be. And you as a person with substantial privilege like myself 
he won't always feel great about it. It's not um, like it's often suggested on social media that you wave a little flag, for example, at gay pride, and that's good enough. It's not always fun. And I think we stressed this earlier already, my very first point or our very first point is that you obviously should take action as much as you can, but not just on social media, right? Mm -hmm. So um, take action in real life um, and call discrimination out when it's appropriate and try and use your own voice. And that's not just in work settings, but even in friendships groups. And we know, or I know at least very much, that it can be scary to do that but it is still very important. Yes, and I just want to bounce back on what you said about how it can be scary, difficult, um, and not always fun. Um, so for I want to give a, actually a personal example of how I had to learn how to be a, a good ally to um, gay, the, the gay community or the LGBTQ community. For example, I have the privilege of being a cisgender woman, um, and that a cisgender woman who's also straight um and for me it took like having grown up in the society we 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 are uh, i did have some really unfair bias or i was uh, around normalized behavior um that were really harmful and simply wrong towards the lgbtq community so i had to do this um hard work of also of just learning uh, why is it, why is it unfair listening to to those oppressed groups of people, um, and yeah, so I can I just wanted to really uh, make the point again that indeed it's not always um, uh, fun and easy. It's not just as as you said it so nicely about about waving a a pride flag. Yeah, and really what you just said um, is also a very very good point. You'll never stop learning, and you won't always get it right. So. As Seth already mentioned, you know, check yourself, be aware of your implicit bias, you know, and be open to listening to other people and what they have to say, because this might be really painful for you. You might really not be happy about having those conversations. They might make you sad. They might make you cry. But don't center yourself in that conversation. okay? because that's really, really important. And we've alluded to this before. so most of the time people just want to be heard and listened to and it's not helped by um you know you putting someone else in the position where they feel like they have to ease your guilt about yeah, something please do remember that your fragility does not have its place in a discussion about oppression and and with in that context also as i said we all make mistakes own your mistakes you know that's how we learn that's how we grow and try and always become a better person in that respect than you were maybe just an hour earlier or a day earlier or a year earlier. Um, Yeah, and then another point, um, which I think um, I started doing recently, thanks to Black Pound Saturday. Oh yeah, so Black Pound Saturday, for those who don't know, it's a campaign that was launched, I believe, uh, this summer. And it's the idea that maybe uh, on one Saturday a month, Try and focus, uh, really pay attention to who you give your money to when it comes to to buying things. So this is really um, interesting because obviously in previous episodes we've discussed how marginalization and discrimination can have a different impact not just on your career or your personal life, but it also has an economic impact. And by that really what we mean is that black 
owned businesses often are differently promoted or less promoted. They get a less diverse customer range, which means there is less money spent in those businesses, even though they provide the same services, the same goods uh, of the same quality, but it's just a problem within the society of how they're being perceived. Yeah, due to this uh, notion of uh, racism as an institution. Exactly. And yeah, so this is something I started doing when I found out about the Black Pound Saturday. Do you want a medal? I want a medal. (laughs) 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 Well, yeah, so uh, jokes aside, obviously, uh, do look out for these campaigns. They're actually really great. Um, And yeah, this brings us really to our uh, last point on how to be a good ally. Um, And it's really about educating yourself. So many resources, such as, you know, podcasts, <laughs> not plugging ourselves here, um, YouTube videos, online magazines, they're, they're free resources, you know, that you can learn from. And uh, you should really try and do your research to learn more about the history um, of the struggle in which you as a often white person are participating in. Yeah. And when you look for uh, this kind of resources, make sure to get them from different sources. Because even within one very specific topic about uh, anti-racism or how to advocate for LGBTQ, um, the LGBTQ community, there might be different perspectives. So it's important to try and get all of them. For example, don't just listen to our our podcast. Yes. (laughs) Do try to check out other and different voices, different perspectives, because that would help grasp, have a better global idea of the movement. Very much so. And also understand that your education is really up to you. Don't rely on somebody else to do it all for you because nobody ever will be able to do that. And um, our final takeaway really is that society really will not change overnight. And so won't you probably. And it's, it's an ongoing process, a lifelong commitment and nothing that is a quick fix. Yeah, yeah. So we next want to actually talk about Uh, a very specific case of when allyship uh, goes wrong. And that is what is known as uh, the white saviorism or the white savior industrial complex. So um, it refers to a white person who provides help to non-white people in a self-serving manner. So uh, we really wanted to give you an example that is um, in this instance very uh, topical towards in the UK. But I'm sure that if you Google for similar examples in your country, you'll find it or start seeing it, maybe. So uh, there is a British um, charity TV show called Comic Relief that has often been accused of, um, you know, perpetuating the idea of white saviorism. And it's really um, an example of poverty tourism where often predominantly white celebrities are going in quotation marks to Africa and um, you know they visit African towns and villages and there are very emotive scenes and where this, these celebrities then you know react to the poverty they may see but they actually don't show a lot of um, you know the actual African people there the people who, how they live their life how they live a very happy life <laughs> yeah obviously they always show a very very limited uh, image of uh, of Africa, so they will really, in all instances, always go to the poorest of, of the poorest village uh, in Africa to kind of uh, shoot these scenes, uh, neglecting the whole other face, uh, which is uh, really non-negligible of um, African countries. 
So, and if you put this into context, approximately 9 million people watch this show every year. And um, it just really strikes me as really odd that that's the only um, way people ever get to see, you know, any footage of African countries. Yeah, so that's 9 million people who are falsely led to think that Africa is just a poor country. It's very much so. And I mean, we've discussed this in previous episodes already that, you know, there are similar advertisements such as um, Water Aid, I believe it's called, or Save the Children, where, you know, predominantly, or I mean, I'm yet to see one of these advertisements with white children, um, black children are being shown to live in absolute poverty. And it's, it's not realistic. There are these, you know, villages, obviously, but we also have poor villages in Western countries and cities. So... You know, yeah, but so, so that's kind of uh, makes me think that there is an um, ulterior motive to that, which is to really just draw this picture of uh, the African continent as some some uh, as some place that was that is just stuck forever in a poverty stage. Very much so, and I mean there is a really good example also of you know white saviorism in this instance, where in uh, two thousand seventeen um, at Sheeran he went to Liberia and um, met two homeless children there and the whole kind of footage of that you know documentary show whatever you want to call it seemed to be a lot more just about his personal story than any african story and you know in in a sense comic relief shapes in in many ways britain's image of africa and it perpetuates this really worrying tradition of the european saviors you know plucking Africans from like the depth of desperation, which is just not true. Yes, and because of that, because of this whole image that is being uh, portrayed, then there are some um, businesses that can actually start to take advantage of it in an economical sense, where they'll start um, creating programs for uh, young white people to come and volunteer in Africa for six months or, or a year at a time, even if they have no qualifications whatsoever. Um, because now there is this image that Africa needs help very badly, like any kind of help. doesn't matter if you have any, any qualification or not. Mm. If you're white, you can come and help Africa, basically. So because this is kind of um, a status quo, it is something that's being used to not only reinforce this, this image uh, of Africa, but also to just make money at the expense of uh, some of those African nations. Because I can assure you that a place that is struggling does not need the help of random people that are underqualified to say like build schools or help um, in in a medical sector if they have no training for those things yeah very much so and it's just ridiculous as a notion in itself yeah please do think of the reverse situation how would you feel if someone came from a far um, african village to your home pretending that now they will help you fix your house uh, without any qualification Think about how absurd that this sounds and why have we accepted that in the other uh, sense it's perfectly okay. Or for example, why do we think it's okay for um, a white person to just go to Africa and, and uh, adopt, for example, um, black orphans and bring them back to, to, to Europe and raise them on a very different contexts uh, where they are completely detached from their culture when this person has no knowledge whatsoever of um, uh, of these children's culture way of living um, understanding of the world perception of the world 
um, no one would ever um, expect someone from Africa to go and solve a complex problem in Europe or America. So, for example, you wouldn't expect some uh, someone from Africa to go to America to solve the gun co control problem that they have there without the necessary understanding of the different dynamics in place when it comes to um, gun control and how, how the population there feels about, about weapons. Yeah, and this leads us really to the idea that obviously there are ways people can help without being white saviors, right? Apart from being an ally, for example. And the first step here really is, you know, you got to realize African nations and countries have a wealth of knowledge and experience that anyone can learn from, right? You are not here to save them or rescue them because you think your culture is superior to theirs. You know, if you really think your culture is superior than another country's, please ask yourself what actually makes you think that. Yeah, and that that sort of belief uh, beliefs actually is the reason uh, there is this disparity. So the thing that we should aim to actually fix is this sort of uh, false beliefs rather than uh, trying to fix Africa, so to say. Yeah, and um, another thing obviously is that um, people often do is they post a lot about it when they go on their trips to maybe build a school or whatever they do and um, often what you see is a white person with you know a lot a of black kids yeah, yeah exactly and um, we want to actually give a shout out here to an Instagram account called humanitarians of tinder they very much um, do very good work in that respect to show us how absurd this is. Yeah, please, if you do have uh, an Instagram account, definitely check it out. It is kind of scary. Um, they have a collection of um, profile photos on uh, dating apps of uh, white people with black children. Yeah, so to basically just show how great as a person you are to go to like a country and you know yeah, kind of yay date me I'm, I'm, I save African children yes well, it's just ridiculous and it's really not helped by you know as we mentioned earlier celebrities for example so Stacey Dooley not very long ago um, posted a picture of herself with um, an African child in her arms you know kind of like holding uh, them like a handbag almost um, mm -hmm. with the title obsessed I mean what kind of title is that yeah so beyond uh, this being wrong for the general as we've uh, mentioned several times already the general um, image that we we are portraying of Africa it also we also need to remind ourselves that it's just not okay to post uh, photos of children on the internet without uh, ethical consent as a rule of thumb if you wouldn't feel comfortable doing this this to your kid don't do it with a random kid Yes, and this feels actually also into a much bigger problem that makes me personally very, very angry. How is it appropriate in this day and age that we are okay as a society with posting pictures of naked black children everywhere? Mm. How is that okay? Everybody in this Western world would go absolutely mad if that was a white child, but nobody even, you know, others if this is a black child it makes me very angry and it, it feeds into that whole idea of white saviorism mm -hmm. yeah and um so that really relates to the fact that the point we're trying to make next is that question your own motivations so if you are going on a volunteering trip 
so that you can take photos for, for your social uh, media. Uh, that's just plain wrong because human black, black bodies are not props. Um, so if that's your intent, you are definitely a white savior. You're doing this for yourself and not to actually help people. Yes, and another um, obviously thing you should consider is that you cannot be an expert on issues that don't affect you, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. Lives in each country, in each region, all over the world are so, so different. And you can't just invade a community telling them how to do things better when you don't even know how this solution would work. Exactly. So that's it's extremely important to not just go anywhere thinking that your help is needed because it's you we really need to humble ourselves in that sense if we don't have the proper qualifications to do something we should not attempt to doing so there is an example of a um, white christian woman who went to uganda and actually started a, um, a charity there around helping malnourished children she had no qualifications as whatsoever in the in the medical field she was not a nurse she had never received any type of training and yet she found herself in, in a place where she opened a healthcare center and she ended up um, falsely that she had some sort of training and she was able to take care of very complicated medical situations that led to the death of um, hundreds of children. So please, this is like a very serious issue. If you cannot, if you don't have the qualifications, just simply don't go. Yes, and also you know, try to consider if you genuinely want, you know, social justice and equity, don't make it your life job without qualifications. You know, it can be a goal, goal that, sh that should and can be achieved, but it should exist without you being the center of it. You are not the dependent variable of equity and social justice. Yes, and there is also another um, point of uh, a wrong motivation for wanting to go somewhere else, else to help is um, sometimes you would hear people who have traveled to um, developing countries uh, and seen situations in which people are uh, living in, in poverty and then they'll come back saying, oh, you should see uh, some these people, they have nothing and yet they're so happy um, or look at, uh, you don't need much to be happy. Kind of uh, use this to make yourself feel better or um, make yourself uh, rationalize about the fact that uh, money does not equal happiness or whatsoever. So I think this is deeply wrong for two reasons. First of all, let's all be honest and acknowledge that no one is happy to live in a situation of poverty. That doesn't exist. It doesn't, it's not because someone might be smiling through, uh, through difficulties that they are happy to stay in those uh, situations of, of, um, of difficult poverty. So let's not kid ourselves that it is okay. And, mm -hmm. the, and the other point that I want to make is that by um, continuing to believe this narrative, it will actually mean that it's fine to let this um, propagate and not do anything about this. Very much so. And um, really what we want to say with all of these points that overall, try and confront your unearned power and you know the unearned experiences you have access to or opportunities maybe just because of the color of your skin so if you're white and you have been on any of these trips for example it's not the end of the world 
we all make mistakes, you know, or even if you ever felt the need that you had to do this. Exactly. You know. Like, it doesn't mean that you are a bad person. Again, this is something that we're being fed uh, constantly in this Western world with all the ads that we see. So it doesn't make you a bad person. It's just we're bringing that up now because it's really time to to grow out of this. Yes, and challenge those assumptions. And one of the biggest problems of, you know, this idea of white saviorism is, saviorism is that, you know, those people tend to not acknowledge the power di dynamics that come with entering a community, you know, with people of color. Again, we want to reiterate this and make sure that you all, you know, don't feel like um, upset about this. We all make mistakes. Acknowledging that power dynamic now is better than never acknowledging it. Exactly. So what we want to do next is give you concrete points on uh, what you can do at an individual level to start making a change. So um, first of all, and I think we've kind of said this already earlier, you know, work on being a better ally through means of education, speaking up and really not expecting a medal or something in return for your work. Yeah. This is a lifelong commitment and it's not just a, you know, black square on Instagram. And really in respect to white saviorism, just challenge your assumption that African countries need your help, especially when you may be actually an unskilled person. So this is really our three suggestions on how to make a change this week. Now, Seth, do you want to do the shout outs? It would be my pleasure. So for the read, we want to shout out uh, Ibram X. Kendi with his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Um, then for the listen, we have uh, two great podcasts that relate to white saviorism. So one is No White Savior, um, and it will really explain uh, in greater details the concept of white saviorism. And then we also recommend you check out the Missionary podcast, which describes this example I was telling you about um, earlier uh, of uh, René Bach, who went to Uganda uh, pretending to be a doctor, essentially. Um, and then we recommend for the watch uh, the stand-up uh, comedy show by Arthur Simeon, which is called Africa Doesn't Need Your Help If You Work in a Mall. So thank you very, very, mu very much for listening today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this rather tough topic and we look forward to uh, our next episode and we hope you join us again. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, this is your problem too.